if you're like me, you're coming down off of the Thanksgiving high of pecan pie and hash brown casserole and cream corn and saying, how can I close 2023 strong? Or maybe it's too soon for most of y'all to be there mentally. Maybe you're still eating your Thanksgiving leftovers, but I'm there. Now, I am certainly not a shy person, but I get really shy talking about my weight and my health journey. But as I disclose in this episode with Samantha Harris, I've been on a health journey since May 2022, and I have lost 112 pounds since then. I've actually been plateauing since the summer, but the good news is I haven't gained anything, which is somewhat miraculous considering life has thrown me some pretty serious curveballs since this summer. So I never say I'm proud of myself, but I have to tell you, I am very very proud of this and I'm not ashamed to admit it. I still have a little bit more I would like to lose but I'm generally pretty happy with where I am and it will be a lifelong battle for me and I turn to books like Samantha Harris's Your Healthiest Healthy, Eight Easy Steps to Take Control, Help Prevent and Fight Cancer and Live a Longer, Cleaner, Happier Life to help give me tips to get through this season of my life. I actually first read this book when it came out about five years ago, so this is a throwback pick episode, which is why it's just now airing, even though, as you'll hear me say, we recorded this in the beginning of October. Though Samantha is a renowned television broadcaster, and we'll talk more about that in a second, the work of her life is helping people get to optimal health and staying there herself. Our interview being in October was poignant as Samantha is a breast cancer survivor, and of course, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I love it when we do wellness episodes on the show, and this one is one of my favorites. If you take anything away from our conversation, I hope it will be that anything is possible and to take your own respective health journeys step by step. Rome was not built in a day. Samantha's book talks about the obvious diet and exercise components, but also about skincare, the makeup and hair and cleaning products we use and how those play into our health as well. This will be in the show notes, but she also offers all of you listeners a free PDF of clean beauty products. All you have to do is DM her on Instagram or Facebook, and I will link that in the show notes. So you know my guest today, Samantha Harris, from co-hosting Dancing with the Stars from seasons two through nine alongside Tom Bergeron. She co-anchors Entertainment Tonight and has appeared as a host or a correspondent on basically every entertainment news show out there. E! News, Access Hollywood, Good Morning America, The Insider, and Extra, just for starters. While at E! She was also responsible for award show coverage at the Oscars, Golden Globes, and the Emmys. And speaking of the Emmys, yeah, she's got one. She's a graduate of Northwestern, and before her prolific broadcasting career, Samantha was a model. She's also acted in D3, The Mighty Ducks, Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is a fantastic movie from 1999, and CSI, among others. She's also starred on Broadway as Roxy Hart in Chicago. She has guest co-hosted on The View, guest hosted Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and Who Can Forget Her on The Next Joe Millionaire. Great show, by the way. She is now a game show host, appearing on Tug of Words on the Game Show Network, and she's long been one of my broadcast journalism heroines, and I'm so excited for you to hear this really interesting conversation. Take a listen. Samantha, I have been a big fan of yours for a long time, from Dancing with the Stars to Entertainment Tonight to E! News, which is probably where I watched you the most, honestly. But when I read your book, Your Healthiest Healthy, back in 2018, so it's been, gosh, it's been five years now, it raised my respect for you to a new level. And I'm really happy you're here. And I'm excited to have this conversation today. 
Oh, thank you so much. You're so sweet. I'm so glad you're here. So we're speaking on October 5th, which is the beginning of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. You are a breast cancer survivor. And I, so I want to start here. You found a lump, I believe, and you went to multiple healthcare practitioners who assured you not to worry about it, but it did end up being cancer. And it's such a testimony to know your body and to trust your gut instinct when it comes to your health. And you champion that in the book, you write in the book, be your own health advocate. So can you walk us through, I hate to start off the conversation like this, but it's a powerful place to start because can you walk us through the journey uh, to even be diagnosed with breast cancer? Cause that in and of itself took a long time for you. Sure did. I think, you know, the biggest, the biggest impacts since cancer have been changing the way that I was, well, okay. There's actually a lot. Um, you know, let me actually back up even more. Yeah. I, at 40, when I was, you know, mom of a, a six-year-old and a three-year-old just turning 40, thinking I was the picture of health. I was on the cover of over 10 fitness magazines. Yes, you I were. Was, I remember those. Yeah, I was, I was eating this really quote unquote healthy diet. I was exercising like a fiend. I was here. I thought I was really healthy. I was at the top of my career game from dancing with the stars and entertainment tonight and all these fun shows and all of this stuff. And then here I sat with this diagnosis that was incredibly shocking. And obviously it stopped me in my tracks for multiple reasons. Mm -hmm. But the biggest surprise was there was no hereditary link because Mm -hmm. only five to 10% of breast cancer is actually genetic. And I just assumed it must be for me because my grandmother on my dad's side was a breast cancer survivor, lived to 95, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad was a, a past of colon cancer at age 50 and there's a breast colon cancer connection mm. um, and there's an actual gene for that i didn't but know I had, that okay yeah okay. good good to know if you have colon cancer in your family mm-hmm. um and their breast cancer risk could actually be elevated if if you have this particular gene so when i had no genetic link that set me into journalism 101 back in the day from college and beyond to start researching mm-hmm. and i really i dove in headfirst and i learned rachel that it's what we put in on and around our body that affects our overall well-being that turns on or leaves or importantly leaves off certain cellular structures in our in our dna that will either grow into something like a cancer or a neurodegenerative disorder or an autoimmune disease Mm -hmm. or depending on the epigenetics of it so how our lifestyle habits and choices and environment affect our well-being is is the study of epigenetics and it's profound that we can have a big say in our health outcomes by how we are choosing to live. And it's mm-hmm. not always an easy thing, sure. right? Or we sure. would all be doing, you know, 100% of the time, 100% of the things that have been scientifically proven. And there's a lot of conflicting information out there that mm-hmm. can set us into a tailspin of head dizziness, trying to figure out, well, which is right. Um, but when I was diagnosed, I felt powerless. And then I learned all of this and I became empowered. Yeah. And that's why it's why I wrote my Your Healthiest Healthy book, because there wasn't sort of a one-stop shop action plan. I didn't want something that was a a tome that said, This is what you must do. Mm-hmm. I wanted the information, the science in a fun, easy way to understand 
that could be conveyed to people so they could say, okay, well, what works for my lifestyle? Because yeah. what works for me, Rachel, might not work for you and vice versa. Right. So all of that sent me, you know, date making some systematic small changes in my life that eventually became big changes. Mm-hmm. And eventually my, you know, I was beyond thrilled and honored that my book debuted at number one on Amazon. And that's fantastic. Times. Yeah. It's a great book. It deserves every bit of it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was, you know, it, it's so fun that all these years later, it actually hit the number one um, on Kindle in a, in, in a handful of different categories. Again, uh, I have no idea why there was the surge, but I'm thrilled. Interesting. Um, I mean, you know, look, there's no, by the way, for anyone out there who's like, I'm going to write a book so I can make a lot of money. There's no money in books. That I mean, is, unless, that is a know. true statement. Truer words were never spoken. I've written, I've ghost written one book and you are correct. I mean, unless you're lucky to be like J.K. Rowland's and, you know, the Harry <laughs> Potter series is what Kate said, right? Um, there, but what, for me, what it was about was being able to get the word out and have people in, you know, in their home, in the privacy of their bedroom or wherever they chose to read, be able to gather that information, the insight, and then come to me, come to me on Instagram or Facebook, Samantha mm-hmm. Harris TV, like television. So if you go to Samantha Harris TV, I'm offering every single day, I mean, I'm just living my life, but I'm sharing it with you in a way that also has the science behind it, the tips to keep you motivated and understand some ways to make small changes. And, uh, you know, and I'm happy to share some of those things that are small changes that people can start doing today even. Yeah. Or you could pick up the book listeners that also works too, because every, they're so, it's so rich, but you're right. It is packaged in a way that's digestible and that's fun. And, you know, I just told you offline, I imagine that this book was a chance for you to turn your pain into purpose. And I, as you just said yourself, you had to have done copious amounts of research to write a book that is as jam-packed as this. So how much research was involved in a project of this magnitude? And I'm also interested in to know what was the most interesting piece of information that you learned through your research? Because as you said, you were no novice to health and nutrition and fitness prior to writing this book. So what was something that stood out to you as, whoa, I'd never knew that when you were writing the book? Oh gosh. I mean, <laughs> so and I know many, it's been five years, so that's kind of not fair, but no, 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 but I mean, so many. yeah, I mean, so many things. Um, I think one of the things that really surprised me was how much sugar is hidden in everything we eat like ketchup or places you would never expect right pasta sauce your bread the things that we look we know if we're gonna have a candy bar or we're gonna dive into some ice cream we know there's sugar in there exactly it's it's all the places you know from when i started to evaluate is one of the there are two things i did well i guess three things there are three things that i did when i kind of came out of my three surgeries and recoveries and started to systematically make changes in my health and well-being. Three things when it came to nutrition that I did at the beginning. Mm-hmm. One was I started to become more aware of where sugar was hiding in my diet. Two, I began to increase my vegetable intake and my plant-based food intake. Mm-hmm. And three, I reduced all from going 21 meals out of 21 meals of having some sort of plant protein mm-hmm. to having maybe two times a month when I'm sorry if I don't include fish in that I do have fish once a week or twice a week but mm-hmm. land animal protein so I you know breakfast was always either eggs or yogurt lunch and dinner always had either fish I, I stopped I grew up in Minnesota so I ate a lot of red meat growing up so I <laughs> stopped eating red meat I lost a taste for it when I moved to LA after college but I ate 
poultry or fish every lunch and dinner. Mm-hmm. Beans were something that I thought were disgusting and fat I was afraid of. So I didn't eat avocados, nuts, and seeds. Mm-hmm. And when I flipped my plate and I started to make, instead of meat being front and center as the star of the show, I started to make veggies the star of the show. Mm-hmm. I fill my plate at least half full of veggies at mm-hmm. every meal. And that one profound change changed everything. It yeah. changed my gut. Mm-hmm. It changed my bloating. It whittled my waistline. I adding healthy fats and more plant-based foods and tons of cruciferous veggies and colorful veggies of every sort into my diet, adding in nuts and seeds. So chia and flax seeds in my smoothies and having, you know, well, I would like to say just a handful of cashews, but I probably have three or four (laughs) handfuls of cashews every morning. Uh, But if you're at an ideal weight, you can do that. If you're not at an ideal weight, I say have a hand, you know, about a fourth a cup of of nuts raw and unsalted, no oil on that because there's a lot of harmful oils on most of our, our, our nuts. Um, but ideally raw nuts, a quarter cup a day, and at least a half an avocado every day. If you're not at your ideal weight, Mm -hmm. still get those in because they are really helpful. Then the other thing when it came to nutrition that I was blindsided, um, by was that I wasn't getting enough fiber and yeah, fiber plays a big role in the book. It does because we, only get, especially in, in Western societies, only get about 12 to 14 grams of fiber per day. And to live optimally, we actually need beyond what the USDA says, which is only 25 or so. We need 30 to 35 for women, 35 to 40 grams of fiber for men per day to have an optimal gut and microbiome, mm. to live healthfully, to reach satiety as well, right? If we're just eating a bunch of junk all day, Um, And you can be vegan and eat a junk food diet and not be healthy. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, eat a specific diet only. Um, But we actually reach the tidy so we don't go, you know, looking for that junk food and the the, the binging and Mm -hmm. the snacking and the midnight snacks. Because when we start to switch to a more plant-based or plant-centered diet, not saying you have to be vegan or vegetarian, I am not. but you can be if you, that's what you choose. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's about being, you know, paleo or macrobiotic or Mediterranean, but there's so many different dietary styles, but all of them are centered on a plant-based diet. Um, but, you know, really choosing organic when you can afford to and choose um, from the dirty dozen list to, uh, which are the most pesticide heavy mm-hmm. fruits and veggies. And you can get that dirty dozen list on the environmental working group, which is a nonprofit on their website, which is ewg.org. Mm-hmm. So ewg.org every year uh, will assess, you know, 30, 40, 50 different plants, uh, plant foods. So fruits and vegetables, and they'll put out a list of those that are the most pesticide heavy to those that are the least. So if you want to focus how you spend your money with organic by choosing those from the dirty dozen list and that are the most pesticide heavy, because when we reduce our pesticide herbicide and all those toxins intake, we actually have more uh, more beneficial nutrients, micronutrients and polyphenols that we get from those fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. And, and we also reduce our risk of exposure that can then lead to cancer and other diseases. Okay. There is so much here. <laughs> I have so many follow-up questions to everything you just said. You are obviously a subject matter expert here. So, okay. I want to start with the sugar conversation. So 
uh, I just looked a minute ago and we had Michelle Promolico, who is a former editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan Magazine. We had her on the show in January of 2022 to talk about Sugar Free 3. Right around that time, I decided to take control of my health. I needed to. I was in I was in a bad place with my health. I have lost 112 pounds since Jan- well, since May of 2022. And wow. so that's thank you. And I've got a little bit more to go, but I I cut the sugar component is huge. It's in salad dressing, y'all. Like it's it's everywhere. You think you're being so good, and it and it shows up everywhere. And I actually love this book because there are a ton of recipes in here. I've made mm-hmm. some of them over the years and they, they hold up. And I, I have so much to say based off of what you just said, because it's just, again, so dense. I want to talk about fat now for a second. We, I know I grew up thinking that fat was the enemy, like eating fats and yep. that fat free, everything was the only way, even if it was loaded up with sugar or loaded up yes. with carbs. Me too. I, Yep. Yep. I mean, I think that's the generational thing. I appreciate how your book divides different fats. I really love this into friendly frenemy and foe. That's so good. And like you were just saying, it also, your book also speaks to the power of organic fruits and vegetables. So again, you, you mentioned this, but there's a part of the book that it's, there's a lot of breakout boxes in the book. So it's, it's easy to consume because it's just in small bites, if you will. And so there's the organic dirty dozen. So that's, I think, 12 foods that you should almost always buy organic, as you just said, and then the clean 15, which you can buy organic or not. I think I got that right. I hope it's not. Okay, cool. I'm still learning here. I'm still a work in progress. You're doing great. (laughs) I'm trying. So I don't know if you can confirm or deny this, if, if this ever came up in your research, but I've heard it said many times that it takes 21 days to make or break a habit. And I would assume that this includes training your taste buds. So has that been your experience in the past? Cause I've done whole 30 before I actually do whole 30 pretty frequently. And by about the three week mark, I move from, I hate this. I hate my life to, wow, I feel really good. So I know that was a lot, but have, as we try to retrain our, our taste buds, how is 21 days a reasonable amount of time for that to happen? It is, you know, it, I think one of the most exciting things is that we can train our taste buds Mm -hmm. and any habit, whether it's new foods that you're trying to try to get yourself to like to a regular workout program or practicing meditation on a regular basis or mindfulness, right? When we do something with consistency, and we do it for a duration of three weeks or more, that's when the real magic happens. Mm-hmm. And so for instance, I love even leaving little challenges to kickstart people. So I did uh, you know, a five day eat the rainbow challenge where mm. we were trying to really get a lot of color and variety onto our plate. And I do a five day um, hydration challenge so people can start to increase their water intake because we really want to have at least 64 ounces of water overall a day. but the bare minimum half your body weight in ounces of water is, is sort of a goal. Um, so, or at least your ideal body weight, because obviously if someone is, you know, morbidly obese, it's going to be very challenging to try to consume, you know, mm-hmm. 200 ounces of water in a day, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. really going for the, the ideal body weight and maybe even increase a little from there. So when we can have that consistency and we continue to, just do, and I like, I also like to set the bar low. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is we live in a go, 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 achieve, achieve, push, push, push world that 
sets expectations really high. And so we have almost an epidemic of failure or feelings of failure, mm-hmm. even in success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I say to my Your Healthiest Healthy community, I want you to set the bar low. Okay, you want to start exercising as a regular part of your routine and you haven't exercised on a regular basis since fifth grade PE class? Okay. <laughs> so number one, meet yourself where you are. Exactly. Don't look at all the people on Instagram and be exactly. like, oh, I want to do that. And I'm have self-awareness. Be realistic. I'm not running an Ironman tomorrow, you know, so, like I, as much as I maybe in my head, I think that'd be amazing. That would not happen. I would fail miserably. Exactly. So meet where you are. So for instance, I had a, I have very few private coaching clients, but one of my coaching clients who I worked with for over two years, um, wonderful woman, so much going for her, um, has really struggled with being morbidly obese for a long time. Hadn't worked out in probably since PE class. So mm-hmm. I said, you know what, here's what we're going to do. What, first of all, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You mm-hmm. tell me what you think is 100% achievable and attainable. Is it is 15 minutes, five times a week achievable, or is 10 minutes twice a week achievable? She said, how about five minutes twice a week? I said, okay. So she you started have to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere. And she did. And here's the other thing, especially when it comes to fitness. Let's say you're like, you know what, five, you know, five days a week, I'm going to walk for 10 minutes. Let me tell you, when you get outside and you start walking for 10 minutes, some days you'll get to 10 minutes and you're like, I, I, I'm done. I got it. I'm exhausted or I got to get back in the house or that was more than I needed or whatever. And most of the days you're going to get to 10 minutes and guess what? You're probably going to do 12 or 18 yep. or 20. Yep. It's getting started. So the commitment yes. and the consistency. So if you say, all right, you know what, Samantha, I really want to incorporate more plant food into my diet. I just don't know where to start. I say, start with a meatless Monday, one yes. meal a week, make it plant-based Yes, and then go from there. Yes. So- I think, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just think no, my, no, my big thing was my big thing always was, was what you just said, going from zero to a hundred, but I should have, I should have gone from zero to five, then to 10. And that has, that has been why this time has worked and why I will forever keep this weight off is because I took it in chunks, not trying to, you know, completely reinvent my entire life in a week. So good. It's so good. First of all, I hope you are as proud of yourself <laughs> as probably everybody listening is of you. Thank you. I am. I am. And I don't often say that about myself, but I actually did say for one of the first times in my life this summer to myself, I'm proud of you. And I am. And there's a little bit more to come, which, you know, I'll, I'm going to ask a question about that in a minute. But thank you, Samantha. That mean, I mean, to hear that from you is like the, the coolest, most out of body experience ever. But yeah, Aww. you're right. Just just. I just, I tried to overload it and do too much and try to solve the world's problems in a day, build Rome in a day. And it just didn't work. And by the way, I want to mention that once you get, and I know, you know, this feeling, cause you write about it in the book. Once you get past that hump, if it's 21 days or whatever it is, and you start to get that energy that you get mm-hmm. from eating yeah. well, it is second to none. You feel like you can do anything once you get the, I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, This is exactly what, when we get that momentum and when you get that feeling, so again, back to like, you know, just setting the bar low, when you get to that feeling of accomplishment, 
and success. It is addictive and it's amazing. So when you absolutely. set the bar low, it's, it is absolutely right. So you yes. set the bar low because here's what happens. All right, let's let's go back to workout because I think that's one of the easiest things for people mm-hmm. to do. You say, all right, I, I haven't worked out regularly except for the occasional weekend warrior thing. I want to start working out five days a week. I, I want to start working out regularly. Okay, well, what does that mean? You have to have realistic goals, right? People have heard of SMART goals. They need to mm-hmm. be specific. They have to be measurable, attainable, you know, all that stuff. So, all right, you want to write, work out regularly, but you haven't worked out regularly forever. So what is realistic for you? Mm-hmm. All right, you think you can set it at three days a week, for 20 minutes and you're gonna be able to achieve that, let's do it. But if you if you get to 19 minutes and 30 seconds and you fall short because you just can't do one more whatever you're doing, push up, mm-hmm. whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you stop, your body senses, oh, on a cellular level, I feel like a failure. Yes, that's but, it. That's it. Yes. Right? Yes. That's it. And then you quit. And then you just say, I I, I this doesn't feel good. I'm I'm out. I'm out. Tap out. Done. Mm-hmm. Yep. So mm-hmm. if you can say, all right, you know what, I'm going to say, I'm going to do it 10 minutes a week for five, for, you know, three days a week. And then you achieve it again and again and again, yes. and you go a few extra minutes or whatever it is, but you hit that goal. The body feels that success. So set the bar low, hit that achievement. I'm not saying to, to go so easy on yourself that you're not doing any, but really get that achievement in and then build. Yes. And in that, in that feeling the energy is addictive and the feeling of success from accomplishing minute, smaller goals is also addictive. And just the, seeing the number fall on the scale is addictive, but the non-scale victories are even more addictive. Like I went to a restaurant on Monday night with a friend and I was, not only was I able to very, very, very easily get in the booth, which was not always the case in the past, but I was able to literally like sit Indian style on the booth and oh. it, well, yeah, which that never would have happened a year ago. And that may seem so minor to some people, but for me, that was incredible. I felt like, wow, you really, because sometimes when you're in the day to day of losing a lot of weight and you see yourself every day, you don't see the progress. But then when you can do things like that, it's just like, yes, I'm doing this. Like I'm actually really doing this. And, you know, I've, I've reread over I've been at this for 17 months. I've reread your healthiest healthy. I mean, it's not even a rereading. It's like, it's my constant companion. Like it's always around, whether it's for a recipe or what does Samantha have to say about this? And so I like, I thank you is inadequate, right? It just doesn't, it just doesn't cut it. But um, yeah, I just, if we could talk about nutrition forever, but I do want to focus for a minute on working out your book taught me a concept I'd never thought of. And that is asking yourself whether you are a workout introvert or a workout extrovert. Can you kind of explain that to listeners? And and I would love to know what you are. Yes. So, you know, you have to know what you enjoy, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and it isn't always easy to know what you enjoy because sometimes we don't stop to figure out what we like, what mm-hmm. works for us when it comes to exercise, it's no different. So for instance, if you have a friend who's been saying, come to my spin class, come on, you're just going to love it. I, I just, I'm addicted to it. It's amazing. But you don't love the loud music. You don't mm-hmm. want to sweat next to someone. Mm-hmm. You don't like the, 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 you know, having someone bark orders at you. You prefer to go for a quiet run in solitude or mm-hmm. 
you prefer to do a, a yoga class and move your body and stretch with people versus get heavy and sweaty and crazy. You need to know that. And so when you figure out if you're the extrovert is someone who might want to take the group fitness classes or grab a whole big group of girls who want to go on a hike together, or if you're the exercise introvert, then you're the one who wants to find that solitude in mm -hmm. a walk by yourself with your own thoughts or with your music on or taking your dog for a walk or doing a workout video at home in the privacy of your own home. And sometimes that also comes with that can change over time. So I have had you know, members of my Your Healthiest Healthy community who have said, you know, I don't feel happy in my body. And to go to a workout class with a mirror staring back at me. Exactly. Yes. I feel that. And I, I wondered, I wondered too, like if you find, if that was something that, re that resonates with you. Well, yeah, I, so I am a, a workout introvert, which is interesting because in life I'm a total extrovert, but I, my thing is like, I never, like, I don't like having eyes on me when I work out and that's lessening as I get healthier, but my ideal workout, to be honest with you, is a, about a 45 minute intense swim by myself, by my, like by myself. I do not want to have like someone else, like I, it's not, I don't need a race. Like I don't need somebody else in there doing laps with me. Just it's my, that's actually my best ideating and thinking time. So I'm totally a workout introvert. And, and I love that you say that's your time to ideate because I find too, when I, I I'm both, I'll be honest, I'm actually mm -hmm. both. Um, since the pandemic, I actually have not really gone back into group fitness and that's more mm -hmm. of just a convenience thing, probably. I just like how much more I get done in my day without mm -hmm. the drive and park and all that time. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but I miss the energy of it. See, that's what that actually was what got me to exercise out of college. I was always in a dance class or something in college. Mm -hmm. I, I would find myself dragging my butt to the gym occasionally at the, uh, on campus and I hated it. And when I moved out to LA, I was like, all right, I don't have a formal dance class. I have to do something to move my body and mm -hmm. keep in shape. Cause you know, back then in my twenties, it was all about how you look, not how you feel, but mm -hmm. that's changed. Uh, I mean, it's, we all want to look good, of course, Sure. but it's, it's a wonderful bonus to feeling great. Absolutely. So I, I found workout classes and I loved them. I loved like when a new schedule would come out, I would get so giddy over like, Ooh, what can I take this next month? And, but then um, I realized too, that being able to have that solitude of a hike. And my, like you said, to ideate, to be alone with your thoughts, I bike, run and hike by myself, the hiking by myself is a little scary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. safety, but, um, but those are three of my favorite things to do. Well, yeah. especially the hiking. Yeah. And the pool is great because I can't bring my phone in there or I can't bring my computer in there. Right. I mean, it's just me in the water. And so there's no distractions. It's great. That is fantastic. I, I applaud you. My mom is a huge swimmer as well. And mm -hmm. she keeps saying for your body and your longevity, you need to swim. And she doesn't <laughs> sound like that, but all moms apparently have to sound like that when we're, when we're imitating them. Uh -huh. um, and and it is so good for you. And I still have to get over the hump of, oh, it's such a commitment to get myself all wet. <laughs> true, and, true. Well, but I will say that when I was at my heaviest, I, that is the one exercise I could do that would not hurt because walking would like be sore. Um, running was out of the question at that time. And so swimming, I could move my whole body, get a great workout. And I didn't feel it the next day. And sometimes you want to feel a little bit of it. Right. But like, sometimes like you couldn't, like, I couldn't move. I was so out of shape, but now, I mean, I'm in much better shape now, but I, it was, it was just the perfect one for me. And the book also asks you to ask yourself, 
when it comes to working out, are you, I think this is a very important question. It's, you know what? So much of this is about self-awareness, right? All of it. Like, what can you do? What, what is realistic for you? Not for Samantha, not for Rachel, but for you. And so, you know, are you a workout introvert or extrovert or are you a creature of routine or do you prefer variety? Like I could do the same workout every day, 45 minutes. I mean, you can't really shake up. I guess you could, but I don't shake up the laps, right? You're just swimming laps. And I think, and I think you'd agree with me, the more honest and self-aware you are about these things, the more successful you'll be in your health journey. It's very, very true. And I think that we, when we figure out what works for us, look, the same thing goes for meditation Mm -hmm. or mindfulness, uh, breath work, you know, for some of us, we might automatically love to sit cross-legged on the floor for 30 minutes in total silence. Mm -hmm. For others, probably the majority of us, that's really challenging. (laughs) And so, you know, I I found that putting on a 10 to 20 minute guided meditation and breath work is what works really well for me. And then there's certain ones I'm like, oh, I can't listen to that voice or (laughs) that, you know, that's not taking me down the right path, but then other ones I love. So really figuring out what works for you and not being afraid to change it up, not being afraid pivot and also being open to trying different things until you figure out what works. Well, I think it's important, as you just said, that you don't have to be a workout extrovert or, you know, have the same routine every day forever. You change and your routine can change too. And so being open is again, back to the self-awareness piece, but there is so much here and I want to be respectful and cognizant of your time, but beyond diet and ex- exercise, which most, I think everyone knows are huge parts of the health journey. Your book talks about the importance of having clean makeup, hair and nail products and wearing clean deodorant and sunscreen, using clean cleaning products, and even using clean tampons and pads or opting to use a cup instead. So we interface with these products so much every day. And some of us many of us, I would say, not realizing how detrimental they are to our health, especially when it comes to parabens, which should be avoided at all costs. So you, Samantha, live on TV sets. That's your line of work. There's people doing your makeup as a part of your daily life. What happens if your makeup artist, for example, doesn't use or have clean makeup? What do you do in that situation? How do you handle that? Well, you know, I think we need to back up for a second too, in terms of why do we need to change up our skincare, our makeup, our hair care? Mm-hmm. Why do we need to be aware of not just parabens, which are thankfully more talked about now. And so a lot of brands are taking the parabens out, but there are probably 90% of the brands still have parabens mm-hmm. uh, and they're known um, endocrine disruptors. They can, we have carcinogens and endocrine disruptors and neurotoxins and uh, you know, even at the base allergens in our products, because in the United States, we ban about 11 different chemicals as potential harmful substances, but the European union bans closer to 1400 and same in Japan. So what are we doing wrong here a lot? So what can we do as consumers? We can take action. We can make change with our dollars because we're choosing to buy things that are healthier for our bodies and our longevity. And uh, so there are a few different things that I do. Uh, Well, first of all, I've changed up everything in my makeup and skincare um, completely to be free of all of these harmful toxins. And the only thing that I still do is color my hair and that I try to go as long as possible between Mm -hmm. colors. And I touch up between at home with something that is free of formaldehyde and some of the other 
most toxic parts of what makes hair dye hair dye um but and if by the way for any of your listeners who are saying samantha what should i use well, how do i know what to go to i actually after working on my most recent tv show which is a game show on the game show network called tug of words we shot <laughs> 65 episodes in six days and so yeah. i needed makeup that could last 12 hours a day costume changes all the costume changes, you know wardrobe changes uh-huh. and and have the the look of being on tv and the staying power but free of all the harm harmful toxins yeah. in my hair my makeup and skincare so thankfully um you asked how do i keep you know if i have a makeup artist um uh, thankfully i'm at a place in my career where i get to bring my own team and they're my good oh, friends that's great so i said to them hey here's here's a task Everything you bring needs to be free of all these these different harmful ingredients. And they were so excited and game for it that they've actually shifted over their makeup kits and their hair kits now for other clients that they use. And they've changed up as well for themselves. But what I did is I put together, so if you guys are listening, I put together a vetted list you did. of hair and makeup and hair care products that are free from all of the potential harmful toxins. And if you DM me on Instagram or on Facebook, which is at Samantha Harris TV, like television. So Samantha Harris. We'll link that in the show notes too. Oh, perfect. Just send me a DM that says clean beauty and I will get my PDF. I put it in the PDF so you guys can check it out and it's nice and handy dandy. And I will send you my guide because we, it doesn't even have to be on TV to want products that work well and last all day. Of course. Right. Of course, so yeah. I, I really was happy to be able to share to share all this. And thankfully, in the many years since 2014, when I was diagnosed, where there were only a handful of clean brands, mm-hmm. there are now, first of all, varying levels of clean, right? You'll go to Sephora or Target or um, other big box stores that have what they call their clean check mark or their clean, and they are much better, much better mm-hmm. than the traditional stuff on the shelves. They aren't all brands that I still feel comfortable using but m- many of them are i can go to sephora and there are a handful of their clean brands that i will buy um but thankfully there are so many more brands on the marketplace even beyond the vetted list that i have um that are you know at that meet or exceed the high levels and standards that i have for being free of all the harms um, the other place people can go is a wonderful nonprofit called the Environmental Working Group, EWG. Mm-hmm. So if they go to EWG.org, um, not only can you get great information on how, you know, what foods are pesticide heavy or pesticide free, um, but you can look at products and see if they have uh, a one, which means the cleanest possible, or a 10, which means the most toxic. Mm-hmm. And, and also, is it toxic because it's toxic across the board or is it toxic more because of immunotoxicity or cancer or allergens and what are the use restrictions and so they um and not everything has extensive they'll tell you you know not everything unfortunately has extensive research we know like for instance you go to the ewg's website mm-hmm. water has a is listed as good meaning it's clearly a good amount of research behind whether water is a toxin or not most as long as your water's clean Mm -hmm. but there might be another ingredient that says fair or limited and that means that there's they're still going to give it a rating of one to ten but you have to also take into consideration is that rating because they have fair meaning or good research and data or limited and then you can make a decision from that that's so good i mean again like i keep this book 
around in the house all the time to reference. And I'm so happy because there is a list of hair products, makeup products, nails, so on in the book, but the list has, I'm obviously has to have changed in the last five years. So I'm glad that you have updated and it's so accessible to anyone that wants it. And I, I hate that we are ending our time together soon, but I, I really want to ask this question because I've lived through a health journey. I'm, I'm living through it. I'm still in the middle of it. And, you know, in the book, there's obviously ample attention paid to the body, but there's an entire section in the book on the mind too. We know that stress is a huge deterrent to optimal health. We know the importance of the mind body connection, having the right relationships around us. But I really want to ask, I've been dying to ask you this question because it is, maybe this is just me, but I doubt it. It's difficult to practice body positivity while you're in the thick of the journey, or at least it was for me, where we've made progress, we're not at our goal yet. How can we, or maybe again, maybe this is just me, maybe I'm too tough on myself, but I doubt it. How can we simultaneously accept where we are and be proud of that while also being excited and motivated about where we're headed? Hmm. It's a great question. I think that we really need to, first of all, just focus on the, on the here and the now, you know, we're always, we're either lamenting the past or we're so focused and worried and concerned and full of anxiety about the future that we forget about the present. And yeah, I remember reading a book when I was younger called the precious present. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited when someone gave me like, Oh, what's the present? And like the present is the present, right? It mm-hmm. is such a gift of being in the moment. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and so that's where, where, you know, the mental health element of things, and I talk about in the book as well, but is is this, and I've, I've really grown in this in terms of my own knowledge since I even wrote the book, which is we really want to live in a place of mindfulness and yeah. mindful awareness. And when we, you know, whether it's a matter of washing the dishes and instead of doing 20 other things while we're washing the dishes or having our mind race, focused in on the warmth of the water. How does the, how do the suds feel on your hands? Mm-hmm. And this isn't going to happen every single time you're washing the dishes or washing your hands, but um, just even those micro mindful moments to check in and be present mm-hmm. can help with what you're asking. Yeah. And we so very rarely do that. I'm unfortunately very rarely fully present in the moment. I'm thinking about what's next the to-do list, what's going on with my phone, whatever. Um, that's, that's great advice. And I'm, I, something you said just sparked another question to me. The book did come out five years ago in 2018. It's 2023 now. Is there anything you'd add to the book that you've learned since then that you think would be a good addition? Oh my gosh. Well, I actually, I would add so much, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think dealing with stress um, is really helpful mm-hmm. um, being able to have really solid stress mitigating techniques and tools in your wellness arsenal. So making sure that you have incorporated practices of mindfulness or breath work. Breath work was something that came to me probably after I wrote the book Mm -hmm. um, and it's so important. And then, you know, the power of of solid sleep and how to have the best sleep routine possible, I think would be something else I would add. Well, we need a part two, just saying as if you don't have enough going on. I would, Always, love, I would love a part two, just putting that out there into the universe. Well, for my last question for you, 
you have had an enormously successful television career. You are an Emmy winner, but would you consider this work surrounding health also the work of your life? This is absolutely the work of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the most important work I've ever done. I loved and love the TV work I do. Um, I come alive. I really do. It's it's very much the camera goes on. I just it's since I was a kid. It just that's what mm-hmm. I love. I it's innately in me. But mm-hmm. you know, passion to purpose. I love that I can help others, guide and others, support others through whether it's you know the content I'm putting out on a daily basis on Instagram and Facebook or the on-demand courses that I offer, you know, in every topic from thriving after breast cancer to weight loss, to intermittent fasting and beyond. Um, You know, I love that I can bring a group of women to Utah every year and have them join me for my year healthiest, healthy retreats. And, and I do someone in Santa Monica as California as well. Um, There's so many ways that I'm trying to make sure that I'm reaching people, whether it's through, you know, sending my clean beauty PDF to someone or, having them join me on a free five-day challenge on a Facebook page, right? I'm finding multiple ways to reach out Mm -hmm. so that I can, I don't want anyone to be left out because of their um, access to, you know, whether it's, some people actually, they're like, I can't get on Facebook. I can't join your group. Okay, well, great. I've got Mm -hmm. these on-demand courses you don't have to have Facebook for. Or I'd love to come to your retreat, but I can't afford it. Okay, cool. Why don't you do one of my webinars or join my my membership community that's, you know, much more financially accessible, you know? So there's always a way so that money is no object, time and location is no object. There's Mm -hmm. something for everybody. And if you want it bad enough, listeners, you will do it. It took me, I think I was 35 when I started. I'm 37. I just turned 37 last week. It took me till I was 35 to be really mentally ready to do this. And there are no excuses. And the best piece, one of the best pieces of advice is just take it one step at a time. Don't try to build Rome in a day. And I think you would agree with me that without our health, not much else matters. If you or someone you love has ever been in a situation where like Samantha, you faced a shocking diagnosis, you quickly realize that health is everything and your healthiest healthy eight easy steps to take control, help prevent and fight cancer and live a longer, cleaner, happier life is a roadmap to help you get there. Thank you for being here today. And for this book, it is a game changer. I keep it around me all the time. And five years in, it still resonates. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Rachel. Samantha was absolutely lovely. And in all of her free time, note the sarcasm, I hope she does come out with a second book to follow your healthiest healthy, eight easy steps to take control, help prevent and fight cancer and live a longer, cleaner, happier life, which is obviously out right now. Well, friends, season eight is coming to a close this week with a really moving conversation, but don't worry. After our season finale, we'll be back to kick off December with season nine, which is already well, well, well underway with so many fantastic guests, including ample wellness episodes, actually. So if you liked Samantha, as I know you did, stay tuned for more content like it as you and I and all of us continue our respective health journeys. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you.